Welcome to Ringing Steel Podcast. This is our inaugural show where we are going to talk all things guns. With me, I have Michael, who is also my co-host. And uh, Michael, go ahead and introduce yourself. As Patrick said, I am Mike. You will refer to me as that from now on. Thank you. So, I am an owner of a firearms business. We do custom coatings. I've been in the firearms industry professionally for going on four years now. Spent some time, obviously, growing up around firearms, doing some hunting, doing some shooting. Uh, over the last few years, just because of some political stuff going on, I've gotten a little more serious about it, uh, getting involved in some actions in that realm. Uh, otherwise, just an enthusiast. Enjoy squeezing the trigger. What do you got, Patrick? Well, myself, I was in the military for 12 years. I joined just after high school, joined the Air Force, became a munitions systems guy. So I was building bombs, missiles, chaff, flare, anything that blew up or came off an aircraft, I was part of. Um, Well, in that time frame, I really got into shooting. I mean, I grew up hunting deer and small game. Uh, got into it further while I was in Texas and did more hog hunts and things like that and had a really good time. But in that time frame is, again, where the things kind of got a little bit crazy. So I started getting into my concealed carry and more shooting of that nature and just personal protection type firearms and what you can do and what works, what's good, what's not. From there, got out of the military, started working at Cabela's. I worked at the gun counter. So when it comes to guns, I've handled more guns than I can count. And of all types, things I like, things I don't like, there's all different things that you'll find out with different guns that some guns everyone can love, but they just don't fit your hand right. And that's kind of stuff we're going to cover with this podcast of what works for you is probably best. If you can't handle a, a 380 and a 22 long rifles, all you can handle for personal protection, it's better than nothing. But... For that, you know, we're going to go through what we do on a weekly basis and, you know, kind of cover what we're, what we've been doing. Our podcast in general, you know, public education on firearm safety. Let's go over some safety and on the firearms, uh, industry itself. You know, we're going to promote some firearms sports, be it clay shooting or, you know, mat shooting. I, I know Mike will get into that a little bit more than what I do. We're going to promote some vendors that we like and things that we have found in the industry that's really good, that at least we think is very good. I mean, everyone has their own opinion. Uh, general outdoor sports industry, you know, we need people to be out there going hunting. We need people to be out there, even if you're out four-wheeling and stuff like that, taking care of our outdoors. And then, you know, provide some youth activities. Get your kids involved in firearms and firearm sports. Because with that, it's going to help out everything in the future. Because we do not want this sport to die off. And it is a sport. It's not something that we want to just go by the wayside. You know, I just put my son through uh, firearm safety, and he loved it. He had a great time with it. And he's actually now coming to me and asking more questions. I took him out last weekend. He shot my forty four mag revolver. Nice. And at times. He, at, at times, he's scared of it. But it's the respect versus fear. And I think that's when it comes to the youth that we need to educate is so that you're not scared of firearms, but moreover, you're respectful of them. You know, going back to that with the youth, they are the future of this industry. There's a group, an age group, and I can't tell you the numbers off the top of my head, but it's declining heavily. But if you look at what's coming across the nation, the increase in trap sports in high school, 
things like 4-H, which I'm currently going through my training to be a 4-H rimfire coach, trap coach for 4-H. I'm also in the process of getting my firearm safety instructor license or training through the DNR so I can begin assisting other people because I have a lot of friends. How do we get into shooting? How do we get into firearm sports? You know, with the youth these days, if the parents don't have a good grasp on it, get your kid in a safety course. Get that basic education because you need to know those four concrete rules of firearm safety. Absolutely. If, if you don't have that, that's how we end up with these accidents, accidental shootings, you know, all these metropolis areas where everybody's worried and scared of guns. They're just a tool. There's right. nothing else to it. Well, and the, the things with guns that comes up is you don't see media posts of good things. You don't see no. the media posts of the kids going out and trap shooting. And that those kids trap shooting have better gun safety skills than 90% of the adults out there. Yes. When I was working at Cabela's, working at a pistol counter, when I'm selling pistols, I cannot tell you how many times I'd hand someone a pistol to look at, and the first thing they would do is point it at my head. Muzzling people at the gun store, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. And it, it was just one of those, I would reach out, hit the bottom of their hand, and push it up so it's not pointed right at my face. And yes, I knew that that gun was safe and clear. Right. I, I clear it before I hand it to them. But it's still the having a gun in your face, no, push it off to the side, whatever, whatever that was, just so it's not pointed at me. You know, even with my kids, first thing I tell them, always, first golden rule, treat every firearm as if it is loaded. Even if you can guarantee, you swear up and down, that gun has no rounds in it, it has a round in it. Treat Absolutely. it as if it's loaded. Never, you know, go, leads in the second rule, do not point that gun at anything you do not intend to destroy. Yep. And, you know, working in a gun store, I can't, I can't imagine how many times you've had that. I, we're... I've shot some matches in the past, fairly recently, and we saw some fairly inappropriate muzzling going on at the matches, and it wasn't the kids. The kids are, like you said, they know more because of the training they go through. It's, it's the careless adults that get too comfortable around the firearm. Well, and both those two rules go into the third of whatever's behind your target that you're going to exactly. shoot. You know, as a kid, and this is this is how much it was ingrained in me as a child. My first or second year deer hunting, I can't really remember, I was sitting on a meadow uh, at the base of a hill. At the top of the hill is a, a field, and I saw a buck, and I could see the, the rack and everything else. So it was probably 20 yards away from me. It was a doable shot. But I couldn't take the shot because I had to shoot at the highway, because on the other side of the field is the highway. And I could not bring myself to hit something that's silhouetting on the top of that hill, because if I miss or it goes through, you're going to hit a car, you're going to hit someone biking, whatever that may be. And I couldn't take that shot. And I've had a lot of people go, well, you could have got the deer. If you would have hit the deer, you would have been fine. Yes, but what if I miss? Yeah. And that's that's the kind of thinking we need to get into people of not just what's right here, what's in front of me. It's what's next. You know, then you get the idiots that watch YouTube videos that are, oh, I'm going to be YouTube famous. And let's hold a phone book in front of my chest and you shoot me with a 50 cal. Did you see the guy? It was in the last week guy was on his podcast videotaping himself pulls out whatever handgun he had it looked like he had actually been drinking and he's playing with his firearm discharged around through one of his computers on the side table yeah just shocked oh my god shocked and he he you watched him drop the mag rack one out he did in backwards order he racked one out then dropped the mag playing around Last rule. Of, oh my last, god! What's the last rule? Keep your finger off the trigger, trigger until your sights are on the target. Well, 
Like apparently his target was that computer he was sitting next to. Well, he did a good job with it, I guess. But you <laughs> he know, killed it, that one. <laughs> he, he, and that's the thing is when it comes to gun safety, you know, I'm I'm a gun owner. You're a gun owner. You know, I've got a couple. Right. Well, <laughs> with your business, we will talk about <laughs> in the future. Um, I used to be an instructor as well, so I I taught people how to do gun safety and personal protection inside the home of just things of. If someone's breaking your house, this is how you react. Now, I'm not in Minnesota for that. I was in Colorado when I was doing that, and I had a very good time doing that. But it's one of those things of there's so many things you have to think about. Do you have kids in your house? Where what, What's going on? Yeah, someone's breaking your house, and you're shooting down a hallway, but the problem is, is your kid's room's on the other side of that hallway. You know, I've got so many customers, first-time gun owners coming up, especially in the current political climate and the unfortunate situation our country is in right now with the coronavirus going around everybody's hoarding so there's people out buying firearms i've got a lot of customers coming up what's a good gun what do i want to own i want some home protection can you build me an ar-15 can you get me this what would you recommend you know what go to the range ranges rent guns get something you're comfortable with understand the cartridge how many walls will a 308 pass through? How many walls will a 223 pass through? Where's that 9 millimeter going to end up if you have to start firing inside your house? Yep. That is and there's there's when you get to personal protection inside the home, there's a lot of different options you can go with. You can go with the handguns, you can go with a shotgun. I personally, for a lot of people, recommend a pump shotgun. Pump shotguns are because great home defense. That sound, number 1, you rack around in a pump shotgun, everyone knows what that sound is. Yep. And you're going to deter a lot of people just with that. Now, if you do have to pull the trigger, if you have light load shot in there, in your typical house, it's not going to open up. Right. It's, it's not going to spread. That shot's not going to spread even in an unchoked barrel. It's not going to spread. Seven shot, once it hits drywall and two layers of drywall to get into another room, has lost so much energy that it's not going to hurt someone fatally on the other side or shouldn't. Yes, there's always the it could. So I understand that. But it's a it reduces that risk. Right. Unlike a 308 when you're going to shoot someone at your neighbor's house who's hiding behind the fridge. I mean, there, there's the difference. Yeah, I, I did have the question, you know, everybody's so what's the biggest round I can I I should carry? Well, 408 shy tech. <laughs> I I like to go with 50 BMG, but that gets a little unwieldy trying to pack that in my, in my belt loop there. Right. You're, you're not going to conceal carry the 600 Nitro Express revolver right. I found. It, it's just, what what do you have? A hand cannon? Yeah. you got to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Rational when you're looking at this exactly. stuff? Exactly. What Rational. works for you? And, and like you said earlier, 22, 380. A twenty two is a deadly bullet. Yes, it when is. When I took my first concealed carry class back in, oh, what am I? I'm a little bit older than I'd like to say. <laughs> it was 20 years ago I took my first concealed carry. They showed us a video of a shooting. Then they had pictures of the aftermath. The guy that was killed in this shooting. He was shot in the groin with a twenty two. You could see burn traces from that guy's waistline up to his chest, back down through his leg it exited by his knee that bullet ricocheted around in him scrambled eggs left yeah it's a 22 it's my buddy and i that i shoot matches with we were joking this week i was talking about shooting a match here coming up he said he's gonna hold off save some of his ammo right now i said yeah but we're only shooting 22s 22 is deadly 400 yards 
Yeah. You got to connect. But you know what? 22 will carry a mile in the air. No, so. it, it's the same thing. You know, I've talked to a few people because of hunting. I'm a big hunter. I, I'm probably going. Hey, you're not that big. Oh, no. <laughs> got to lose a little weight. So animals are safe if they run. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I have conversations with people here in Minnesota. So hunting here in Minnesota is different than it is in Arizona. It's different, different than it is in Colorado. When I was in Colorado, if you were going to go hunting, the gun you got was a 300 Win Mag. Yeah. In that caliber. Well, I, I saw that 270 in Arizona, and that right. was a light load, especially you know, you're reaching out four or 500 yards. Correct. And that's the thing is people here in Minnesota, you're taking maybe a 200-yard shot is your longest shot that most people are going to attempt. In the area we are here in central Minnesota where it's a shotgun zone, for now, we're going to hopefully talk about that coming up, um, you're looking at 50 to 100 yards is your average shot with a shotgun with a slug. Yep. Most people aren't reaching out beyond that. There's a lot of guys who like to reach out further than that, but I have a problem with that because you need to get that good ethical shot, Right. not just I want that deer. See, and I've never shot shotgun shooting slug. Like we said, I'm from Arizona. Oh, I'll take you out. We didn't have to bother with that. Yeah, there was a little bit of muzzle loader hunting. I wasn't involved in that. I I like having you know my three to five rounds in my bolt action. Um, I like a good cartridge that I can drop in. I can buy a pre-built cartridge off the shelf. Mm-hmm. However, I am starting to look into that loading range, especially with some of the shooting matches I'm doing. Once I get out of the center fire realm into something, you know, if I go F class with the six five or three hundred eight or seven millimeter, whatever round I choose, I do know that I'm going to want to start building my own cartridge. Very much so, and, and it, it does save money in the long run. Um, we, we can talk about reloading on a make a podcast yep. uh, episode about reloading. It's something I'm looking into as well. I actually just purchased my forty four mag revolver. Nice. And in purchasing that, I was going between the forty four mag and the four fifty four Casul. Well, the 454, I can't get rounds off the shelf around here. No one carries Casul. Right. So it was one of those things of, I can get 44 mag anywhere. Not much you can get off the shelf right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Guns and Gear in St. Cloud does have a ton of ammo left. Do they? Yes, I might have they to do. swing by there after this show. Um, I actually got 300 grain Hornady Custom hollow points for that 44 mag. Yeah, but what, start looking at that. They have a bulk 223 yes, millimeter do. right now. Yes, they do. Mm. Or they did a couple days ago when I was there. Might have to go introduce myself. I did see him post that they do have some, but that's this is uh, you know, let's see, March twenty first is the uh, day this is. So yep. we're we're in the full swing of the, <coughs> so we don't get you know demonetized or get you ripped apart by someone. We're not going to talk. By the about. way, I would like to say we are attempting to keep our social distance from each other. Well, yeah, look at this. I can reach out here and I can't even touch you. There you go. Hi. hi. Now we can slap our board up in the head a couple times, but he doesn't care. <laughs> So, let's move on. So, what did you do this week or since... Well, just in general. In general, yeah. Um, since it's our first podcast, let's let's introduce, you know, well, for, discuss what we've done recently with so, some firearms. So, coming up in April here is turkey hunting. And my son's going turkey hunting. He's going with the shotgun. Oh, look at our pretty backdrop. Oh, wait, wait. We, we've got a full green screen we'd be able to do here. Ignore it. You guys keep doing your yeah, show. Yeah, just keep going. Can we be in a tank? Yes. Awesome. That's where we're going to podcast anyway. in a tank. Anyway, um, <laughs> I had talked to you about my Beretta shotgun. I know you do a lot of the hydro dipping and stuff like that with your business, which we will get to. But I found, for 15 bucks, I found a vinyl wrap. I saw that. And you know what? For what I do and what I'm using that gun for, 
it works. You know, I haven't played with the vinyl wraps myself. I've seen some people do some really nice things. And the benefit to that, you can put it on. And take it off. And take it off. Uh, like you said, I do some hydrographics dipping, some Cerakoting. That's a bit more permanent. It's durable to a point, but just like your car, it, it can get scratched. It can get some flaws to it. So Right. And, and that's the thing. is, I just wanted, just for this year at least, I wanted to give it a shot. And instead of just carrying a black gun, which I shot a turkey with last year, so I'm not worried on that front. But it's the let's make it a little bit easier for him. Let's camel right. the gun because he's a little he's a little slower on the draw, we'll say, or the shoulder than I am. Yep. I can pull up and hit a turkey, whereas he's going to have to pull up, go through his breathing, get his sight picture up, then pull the shot. So it's a little different. I personally, I'm going with my bow. I have a crossbow license here in Minnesota because I have a disability with my wrist. So I'm going with crossbow. Now, him and I have been prepping for this. So I've got his camo. We went out and did the walk through the woods. And where are the turkeys at? Where are you going to set up? Where am I going to set up? Whoop. I haven't told him, but we're going to be sitting together. Right. Because I want to get him a bird. I got a bird last year. Let's get him his first bird. What's the best part about hunting with your son? Him getting something, the hunt, or just the combination of time in the field? I, I would have to say it's the time in the field. I mean, last year I brought him out, and he was a little bit ADD-ish when I was hunting. How old is he? He's 15 now. Yeah, well, sounds about right. Right, and I don't think he knew what he was getting into, where now he's got a little bit better understanding. But we were sitting in my ground blind, he's like, ants, 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 and loud. Not not just a little bit, and he's stepping on all the ants. And I told him, I'm like, you need to be quiet. You know, turkeys have very good hearing. we got to be quiet. You know, don't move around. Tell him he's lucky that's when he found the ants. Last time I found ants on a turkey hunt in Arizona. Oh, fire ants? <laughs> they, they were some kind of big monster ants. My pants were around my ankles, and I was doing the business. Oh. I looked down because I felt something creepy crawling up my legs. I was covered from the knees down with ants. Oh my god. My buddy's got a really good laugh of me running around edge of campsite covered in ants, pants down. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to take him out probably this week depending on what's going on with his school and the social distancing that they impose right. and stuff like that. But I want to take him out. I've got what I shoot. I shoot a 12 gauge Beretta A300 and I have a turkey choke on that which turkey chokes freaking hurt. Yeah, way more than what even a slug would, um, and then I shoot turkey loads at uh, number four shot. They hurt. Yeah, like I'd rather shoot my slugs that I usually shoot out of that gun than shooting that turkey load. And people are like, "Really? What?" And I'm like, "No, that when you're compressing it down that much in that choke, and we'll go through some of this stuff on how chokes work and stuff like that for people who don't know. Um, but it's an extended turkey cho yep. choke, and it hurts." So, you know, we're, we're prepping up. That starts uh, April 15th is the first week that we're going to be out there, and we're going to be going good. Um, but I don't have my ground blind up. That's that's coming up. Get my ground blind set up. I want to go out with him to public land. I do not do this on any other land, but I'll go on to public land and call a little bit just to make sure my practice calls are working. Yep. I won't do that on my own land because turkeys know who's calling, and they figure it out. You know, when I was turkey hunting... Probably seven years ago, uh, I had just started calling. I'd, I'd done fall hunts where you're typically not calling. They're right. not active. My spring hunt, I wanted to do some calling, and so I worked with some guys, and they said, do not go out scouting. Do not to call. Do not practice. Practice at home with your videos. You will train that bird as to what your call is before you get out in the field. And that's why I go elsewhere. Yep. And my personal favorite here around here, I'll go to Quarry Park. Yeah. Because Quarry Park's a no-hunting area anyway. 
they've got some really big toms out there. If nice. I can get those toms to come in, I know I'm doing something right. I'm not even screwing up anyone else's hunt. Right. Because they're not going to be hunted there. Yep. So I can go out there. I can call. I've got my park. I've seen them every day just about when I bring my son to school because I drive him into school. Three huge toms. Like beards just about dragging. I'm just like, step off that. Go, yeah. on, go on to public land. Let's see how this works out for y'all. But it's it's that ethical hunter. It's, you know, you don't go hunt someone's land randomly. You don't take advantage. You know, you're going to get permission way before the season ever starts is the right way to do it. It's not last minute and, hey, we're going to do this. It's, no, it's not right. For those who do not get to see this in video, there is really some awesome construction going on around us here in the studio. Last time we hung the one he just put up here, but we won't staple that one back up again. I'm going to break the third wall for a minute. Just bear with the video part of this. No. I know it's your first run. It's, uh, I just figured I'd do this on the fly and show you some cool things. So No, we appreciate it. it video will be coming for everyone listening. Video is going to be coming. Green screen. We'll have a decent background. It's, it's going to be cool. It'll be good. He's going to make me look like I'm driving the tank. That is the that's the theory. The, the, the best one we had with this for our, the other podcast I do is I had a green shirt that matched this. You're a floating head. We took a picture behind us with nothing there and put that up as the green screen. So anything that was that color green just turned into the background again. Nice. So it was literally just two arms and a head. <laughs> Perfect. It was awesome. But, you know, we're going to have some fun with the video. This is, we're going to try to make this more of a thing of you don't need the visual aspect. We are going to talk about some things like uh, different products. We're going to talk about, let's say, optics for this week. We'll talk about a little bit. But what we're going to do is we're going to get into different types of optic. Is it something that's a enhanced optic? Is it something that's a magnified optic, non-magnified? For the dots, are you talking mil dot? Are you talking MOA for drops and stuff like that? When you pick up a scope and it says, you know, three MOA or one MOA. What does that mean? You know, is it a parallax scope? Is it a non parallax Mall of America? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, red dots and even red dots. You'll have seven MOA red dots. Right. What does that mean? You know, and a lot of people I don't think understand it and you just have to pick it up and look at it. Now, at the same time, is it illuminated? Is it non-illuminated? Is it battery illuminated or is it fiber optic illuminated? I myself have an ACOG. So my ACOG is an illuminated scope. However, I have no power to that scope. So it's got the fiber optic during the day. And at night, it's got the tritium coating that lights up my optics, which works great for coyote hunting, let me tell you. I'd like to look through that. I have not seen through. Every every one I have right now is battery-operated illumination. Really nice, but even on some of the higher-end scopes I have, I can flood out the optics. I can understand that. I'll have to, you'll have to try my ACOG. It's one of those things, when I got it, I was working at Cabela's. So my uh, discount I got for that from Cabela's, I picked up a $1,500 scope for about $600. Thank you, Cabela's, for that employee discount. That wasn't the employee discount. That was through Trigicon being trained by them for being a product (laughs) expert. There you go. So it worked very, very well. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I really enjoyed my time at Cabela's. It was a it was a really good place to work. It was a lot of fun. Bass Pro Shops now. Okay. Um, but it's something that will give you an experience that you wouldn't get anywhere else working at a gun store in general. Right. Because me personally, I wasn't a revolver guy. 
when you start handling a bunch of revolvers, you figure out, well, I like this revolver and I like this revolver, not so much this one or this one. And you can tell people why. Yeah. You know, like for me, I like having a hammer if I'm holding a revolver. I don't like the hammerless. I don't like the hidden hammers because it's hard to decock, in my opinion. And I don't like that. That That's a personal preference. You know, and I get, I'm a Glock guy. I <laughs> When I turn 21, hey, I'm going to... I'm an American. I'm going to go buy me a gun. What I do, I went out and got me a Glock 17. Everybody's got to go get their first gun uneducated. Do it. Get it out of the way. I regretted the 17 because of size. Okay. But I loved shooting it. It actually fit my hands well. And this was, like I said, 20 years ago. Before they had the back straps that you could change out. Uh, I had that gun for, I believe, roughly four years before I traded it for a 19. Okay. Uh, loved the 19. Size was great. Concealed carry. Back then, when I was in my slender days, <laughs> I, it, a 19 was hard for me to conceal carry. You know, I dress for the occasion. What am I wearing today? Where do I got to carry? How do I got to conceal? I was still able to carry a 19, and I've had one since that day. I'm on my third Glock 19. It is a Gen 5 with the back straps that are changeable. I can't tell you how much I love this gun. Stock trigger, stock everything. It shoots nice. I can feel the reset. It is an amazing gun for me. Will I recommend it to others? No. I tell everybody, go to a gun store, hold the guns, find somebody that can help you understand how that has to feel in your hand. And, and that's the big thing is, personally, I'm not a Glock shooter. I can't get past the grip angle. The grip angle on a Glock is different than most guns. That's at, what, 17 degrees, I believe? Oh, is, is the grip. sure. That sounds good. So I grew up shooting revolvers. That's all my dad had was revolvers. Well, after shooting revolvers, then I went in and I started shooting the M9 in the military, which is the same grip angle to the barrel of when you draw out and pull up. So I was very accurate with that, and I got used to that. Now anytime I grab a Glock and I point out at about 15 yards, I'm about two inches high until I roll Adjust. my wrist forward. And I don't, that just that roll forward is enough that puts me off Glock. Yep. Is it something I do want to get one just so I can practice and be proficient with that firearm? Yes, absolutely. But right now, I carry Smith & Wesson. I carry a Shield 9mm. I have had a 40 uh, Shield, which those bite a little bit harder. Um, I still have a full-size 40 Smith & Wesson, and I enjoy those guns. I like the fit of those guns. It works for me. Now, a lot of other guys, oh, I like a Springfield. Okay, well, you like a Springfield. If, as long as that Springfield works for you, that's what matters. It's it's not because you, everyone else has one, you have to get one. It's find what works for you. You know, and I'm not going to come out ever and bag on somebody for the gun they carry, the gun they like. Well, unless it's a high point. Okay. But, okay. I, I was about to go with my little pony. Okay. Yeah. So... That's something we will discuss the My Little Pony yes. in, in a future show here. That was a fun little project. So, anyways, like I said, I won't bag on you. I'm not going to tell you what to buy. No. I want everybody that has a gun in their hand at their disposal, one, to have training, two, to be proficient with it. You have to shoot often. I, I went for three years when I moved from Arizona to here without pulling my gun out, Ooh. without shooting Ooh, it. Oh, that's... You know what? Because I had shot so much in the past, was it like riding a bike? Yeah, but I still had to get comfortable again. I had to, you know, I had some muscle memory left. 
I still, when nobody was around the house, I would still hold it a little bit, you know, practice draws, dry draw on it. But I still, dry draws, dry firing, practicing all that, it's still slightly different than actually having it in your hand, squeezing trigger, sending rounds downrange. So. No, but that's the thing is it's be proficient. You know, my, my father is 65. I myself, I'm going to be 39 here this summer. Ooh, just about the 40. But even my dad. You'll feel the 40 when it hits. Oh, I believe it. But I was talking to my dad last year because I do shooting drills. We have 22 acres out near his house that we go shoot on. And I do my own drills. So it's walking drills. I have. A, I can't make my target move because, well, you can't do that. The, you know, having your 15-year-old son out there with the target walking back and forth is frowned upon. Um, so it's I move. I can't make the target move, but I can move. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry to distract you. No, you're good. No, just because of how distracting that one is, you, you, you'll fit <laughs> right in with us. Um, but I do those shooting drills. And my dad came up to me during that shoot, and he goes, you're a better shot than I am. He goes, but I think you've shot more than I do. I'm like, I know I shoot more than you. I shoot about a 100 to 200 rounds at least a month, always. And he no, goes, you're even shooting more than I am. Well, he goes, why? I'm like, because I have to stay proficient. It's something I do to blow off steam. So I'll go to the range and I'll drop two boxes of 9 mil through or my 300 blackout pistol. It's not the cheapest therapy, but it smells the best. And you know what? It's, it's something that you're going to use. It is. So when I'm out deer hunting and I want to use that firearm for deer hunting, it's something I'm comfortable with. You're not going to get the trigger jerk. Like my 44 mag, I learned. I got it all sighted in because I sandbagged it. Right. I sandbagged it down, got my optic. I got a uh, Swamp Fox little RMR thing, which we will be talking about. I love them to death, and we'll get into that more. But sandbagged it. That gun is hitting perfectly. As soon as I hand it and put it in my hand, then it goes all over the place, and it pulls to the right. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm fingering it. I'm pulling it, and I'm anticipating the recoil every time because it's such a big gun. I mean, it's an eight-and-a-three-quarter-inch barrel. 44 Magnum. The thing barks, but all the recoil comes back. And I want to talk about that gun in a future episode as well. But it's one of those things of, it's a lot of fun, but you have to get used to it. Like that 44 Mag. I can't take that deer hunting until I'm comfortable with it. I won't take it out into the field until I know I'm going to hit, basically, a paper plate at 50 yards. If I can't do that, it's not a hunting gun to me. Yep. Yeah, it goes back to that ethical shot. You don't want any wounded animals running around no. out there. My first elk hunt when I was sixth, seventh grade, I, the last day of a, I believe, eight, nine day hunt, uh, we had a snowstorm hit. We're in two feet of snow where the day before it was sunny and not a drop of snow on the ground. We went into sitting on the side of a meadow. Uh, elk walks out. You know, what was this back in early nineties? My dad, Gave me the, uh, oh, that's about a 300-yard shot. Put your crosshair right here on it. Pull the trigger. I did what he told me to. Drop that round through the front left leg of that elk, through the bottom of the chest, not through the cavity, just through the skin and a little bit of meat there. Mm-hmm. We tracked that thing in a blizzard for two miles Oof. before we got to it. Had to quarter it up. Got most of the meat. I did not get to keep my hide. There was just no way we were recovering everything from that elk. Not in that blizzard, not in the time we had to get that thing out of there and get home because the snow was not stopping. It was, 
I believe, if I recall, it was about a four-foot snowstorm by the time it was said and done. And that was in a one-day period. And for Arizona, that's a serious snowstorm. That, is a, that is a serious mm. snowstorm. It's not like going out, you know, Minnesota. We can get hit with a couple feet of snow. Since I've lived here, I'm getting used to it. We were out in the middle of the forest up in northern Arizona. There's nobody around. There's You get stuck, you're there until you right. get yourself out. Well, I lived in Colorado. Yeah. I, I know how that Same. goes. It's when you're up in the mountains, and I've told this to people, I say, if you're up in the mountains and something happens, you're going to be up in the mountains until that's done. You're right. So, so back to a little bit about what we did this week. And uh, I've actually had a pretty eventful week, two, maybe three weeks now, um, doing some NRL match stuff recently. Uh, my best showing, uh, shot my second match recently, got a ninth place out of 22. I am not bragging about my skill. It was a lot of luck. A little bit of practice behind it. I uh, didn't get as much practice coming up to the match as I would have liked to have. Uh, but I'm shooting a Ruger Precision Rimfire 22. I like the gun. I'm. It's not one of my favorite right now. It has the ejection issue that those guns do. Uh, okay. I am leaving too many rounds in the magazine because I'm running out of time. Other than that, I am hitting targets. I'm finding my weaknesses, which... Anybody out there that enjoys shooting, you want to find your weaknesses and enjoy working them out, shoot a match. I talked about it for probably a year now, getting out and shooting matches. I wanted to do some competitive shooting. For self-growth, skill building, I I don't care how well you shoot against me. I care how well I shoot against myself. The skills I'm building and my weaknesses, it's only going to make me better long term. Standing unsupported, kneeling unsupported, prone unsupported. Well, I was talking to one of my friends that does teach concealed carry here in Minnesota. And he does a very good job, but we had a, a conversation of should, when you're on the range, have your shooters shoot offhand unsupported. Even if, it, even if it's a, just a couple rounds. I say you do because you never know what situation you're going to be in. Yeah. And you should be comfortable shooting right, you know, if you're right-handed, right-hand unsupported, left-hand unsupported, which is a very strange thing to do. But it's something you don't know. If you have your right hand, be, you know, held up behind you, what are you going to do? You're going to have to shoot. Going back to how I've got to where we are in my shooting and everything, in the last six months, I found out I actually shoot handgun better left-handed. Wow. I've been shooting handguns for almost 20 years. Well, I shoot. Like I said, never competitively. Strong eye, right eye. It's, I think at this point in my life, it's because that's just how I've been trained. I can shoot optics left eye better. I can, I still shoot optics right eye, but like I said, I'm shooting my pistol left handed at the range now better than I do right handed. Well, and for me, I, I have a very, very strange shooting style, coronavirus. Hey, I got that too. <laughs> There's the one thing I wasn't supposed to mention. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, I shoot right-handed, but I'm left-eye dominant. So I've gotten to the point I shoot both eyes open unless I'm on a high-powered optic. I am in that learning phase. I, I learned to shoot archery both eyes open. It's natural to me now. I can shoot certain optics both eyes open. I shoot my red dots on my AR pistols. I shoot my illuminated, reticle, illuminated optics both eyes open. 
I'm not at the point of shooting a standard scope. I say standard, just a, a regular scope with no illumination, whether right. it's heavy magnification, you know, one of my precision rifle long range scopes or just a standard one. I'm not there yet, but I'm working on shooting both eyes open on handgun. That one is not comfortable for me. And using a handgun in self-defense, my opinion is you better have both eyes open. So you need to know what's going on all around you. I, I was part of that with the military side is when you were training, it was always, I always did both eyes open because you have to be aware of what's going on to the sides of you. Right. Just because you have your target in front of you does not mean there's not a secondary target to your right. Yep. So there, you know, we've, we've got that. So, uh, some other things I've been involved with recently, uh, because of where we're at, um, everybody throughout the country, you're seeing these little counties pop up is uh second amendment, Sanctuary. Sanctuary counties. Well, I did get involved with a group in the county I live in, Make Sherburn County, a Second Amendment Defender County. I am working with them heavily, working with some politicians, some political figures, working with the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. Uh, they're helping us out. We are... Yeah, not the other one. Yeah, the other guys. So we're working with them, trying to get that for our county. Uh, if you are in Minnesota and you are interested in that, please look up Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. Ben, Ben Dor, is it Ben? Rob Dor, Rob Dor. Ben, ben Dor is the uh, the other side. Correct. Uh, and uh, you know, on the thought for that for a second, they have they like the show. They want to get out there. They want to raw raw themselves out in front of everybody. They're getting support. True. I would, I still follow them on some social media because I want to see where they're at. I want to see what they're doing. They do put out some news stories. They do put out some things. Yes, they are shooting down some of our politicians that are on our side. They're getting people against them that we need to get these people backing them. So follow them. Be aware of what they have out there. But Rob Dorr with the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus... He is an amazing individual. He has devoted a significant amount of his time. Was our One of our meetings was planned in three days, and he showed up. Uh, the next meeting we had, he came in, brought a couple of House of Representative members with him. Uh, we talked with them. Well, Stearns County, I'm, I'm part of the movement in Stearns County. Uh, we actually had a meeting scheduled for last Thursday at a place in Melrose, that we were going to have uh, Stearns County Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Soika, come in. We had invited all of the county commissioners to come in and talk to us. And we had a bunch of people that were coming up because of the shutdown of restaurants and stuff like that. Sheriff Soika said, I just can't allow this to go forward. It's a restaurant. It's a meeting of too many people. So that would actually be breaking the law. So I can't endorse that. And he was very apparent or transparent with it of, we're not voting on anything about this stuff for the time right. being. Either way, we're not going to shoot it down. We're not going to go forward with it. We just can't do anything right now because of the state of affairs in the state and in the area, which I can respect. He's being very transparent with it and going, I'm not saying no. I'm not saying yes. We just can't do this right now. Timing is not good. And I can I can understand and respect that. And there's a lot of people, oh, you bootlicker and all this. I don't agree with that. No. If you're going to be part of one of these movements, the biggest thing is you have to be respectful. You're going to find people that do not share your same point of view. And no matter what you tell them, they're not going to share that same point of view. 
what you need to do is go, okay, I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to say what I have to say. And they're going to retort with whatever they're going to retort with. And make sure you're, you're educated if you're going to speak to this stuff. Right. But at some point in time, you can just do the, well, I don't agree with you. This is what I believe. And we can agree to disagree here and walk away. And that's where you're going to have to run with it at times of not everyone's going to take your advice. There's still a ton of people. I've got friends I'm friends with. Why do you need a 30-round magazine? So I can carry three tens and that's okay with you? He goes, well, yeah, because you have to reload them and that takes time. Not a really. A proficient shooter can change those magazines out extremely fast. Absolutely. I, I actually, when I'm shooting my ARs, I count rounds. Yeah. Where I can count, and when I hit 29, I'm dropping, putting in a new mag, and you are not seeing a, a rate of fire drop. It's pop, 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 mag comes out, up, pop, pop. Yep. Because I'm counting, and that's all in my head. Well, I'm also not one of those guys that tries to squeeze that one round off when your slide's locked back because I've already counted and I know that gun is slide is back. Right. You know, and that's uh, at, at our last meeting, the, Rob and some other people all stood up and said, whenever you're in discussion with the anti-gunners, you know, the moms demand action from the Michael Bloombergs, yep. do not lose your composure. No, you have to. They, they are doing Everything they can to make us look like the crazy, insane, gun-wielding, unstable, mental patient with a firearm. Yeah, uh, hey, we'd have to look the stats up. I don't have them in front of me, but it's something like point one percent of all firearm incidences that are, whether it's an illegal incident, negligent discharge. Our concealed carry holders or carry permit holders, we are not the crazy gun owners. They just have an innate fear that unfortunately has been promoted through public education, mass mass uh, social media distribution over the recent few years. I love social media for some things. The humor right now is amazing. It is at a level that I've never seen before, and I admire some of these people's uh, ability to rush things out in the comedic matter. However, it is used to tear us apart all day long. No, absolutely. And that's that's the thing is I, I've had those conversations with these people. And some of those people, one of my ex-girlfriends was super, her whole family was super anti-gun. Completely. I was living in Colorado, living with her, when uh, the Jessica Ridgeway abduction happened, which was about three blocks from our house. Um, and if you want to look up that story, a little girl was abducted. Sounds extremely familiar. So this was in Arvada, Colorado, or we, or uh, Westminster. I can't tell you right where the line was. A little uh, 12 or 13-year-old girl was abducted from the bus stop, and they found her body no. cut up down the roadways and then found the kid that did it that wanted to be a mortician and hid her body up in the crawl space or her head in the crawl space of his parents and got done up. But... You know, during that time frame, I, I drove, <laughs> I, we called it the molester van because it was an unmarked white cargo van. I got pulled over with that about three or four times, and it was, go ahead and look. Right. And they'd look in there and, oh, you've been stopped before, haven't you? Absolutely. You're doing your job. Go ahead. You know, and and that's the thing. Law enforcement are out there just doing their jobs. No, I, I talked to one of they, our friends that's an officer today. Just because of stuff that's going on, more people are going to be carrying. Let's right. face that. And I asked him, I said, you know, I'm not going to use his name, but 
as, from an LE point of view, if I'm carrying in my car and I get pulled over, what should I do? What's your preference? And each cop's going to have their own preference. Each, yep. each officer will have their own preference. I was always under the understanding, if I have my weapon on me because of where I carry, it's close to my wallet, I will roll down my windows, I'll put my hands at 10 and 2, and I will wait for the officer to tell me what to do. Yep. Why? I don't want to get shot today. Yeah. And if he wants to take me out of the car, and he wants to pull my firearm off me, and he wants to clear it and set it on the hood of the car, which I've had happen when I lived in Texas, I don't have a problem with that. Because I'm not getting shot. And once that's all done... They hand you back your firearm, don't load it in front of me, which yep. I can understand, and you go on your merry way. I, I've been, I've had my fair share of pullovers. Uh, I, am, I am a quality driver, especially at speeds. Any law enforcement department will tell you that. Uh, however, I've been pulled over plenty of times. Handgun on my hip, handgun next to me between the seat and the console. Uh, I've been pulled over on the way to the shooting range with more guns than a small platoon will carry. <laughs> That's an exciting in, in, uh, incident with the police, I'll tell you that. Uh, I had one in Arizona. The officer walked up to me. I let him know I had where all the firearms were. He looked at me said, you know what, sir? You're better armed than I am. You have a good day. He <laughs> walked away and let me off. Uh, that was his choice. I was right. in the wrong and. I've I've never once been stopped for not doing anything illegal or, you know, pushing the speed limit, not using a turn signal, not fully stopping at a stop sign. But every time they walked up to the car, hands around the steering wheel. Officers know at that point, you're a carry permit holder. You you have a firearm in the car. They appreciate, they respect that. And even when I talked to that officer, he's like, no, seriously, if I walked up and you were doing that, he goes, my thing is, if you can get, if he goes, I don't carry my wallet in my back pocket. I throw it on the dash or whatever, because then I don't have to dig for it. Because then I can just grab my wallet, here's my ID. Right. And then you can tell him at the same time, here's my ID. You got your other hand on the steering wheel, wherever it is, in plain view. I do have my firearm on me. This is where it's at. Because then they can address that. Yes. But I will tell you this, an officer being told... Yes, I have a firearm, and I've gotten into this argument with so many people with concealed carry. Well, you don't have to tell him. You're right, you don't. But then when he spots that gun on your hip because you moved a little bit or his partner's on the other side of the car and spots that gun, you're really quickly going to have a loaded 9 mil or 40 in your face of get out of, you know, put your hands yep. where I can see them, and you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. Which if you just do the, these guys are trying to help me out, they're doing their job, let them do their job, if you're in the wrong and you get a ticket, that you're still in the wrong. It doesn't change the fact of you're in the wrong. Yeah. So don't get mad at them. And you can call, you know, people call me a bootlicker or whatever because of that, because I respect that Ellie. I have family who's Ellie, and it's not because I'm just doing it just because they're cops. It's just a, a respect thing. When I was in the military, it was the same thing. It was a respect thing. You just respect those people, and you just do the, okay, you have that, your job to do. I have my job to do. I've had a full bird colonel try to get into my area for bombs, and I told him no. We're at 48 minutes. 48 minutes. All right. We should probably get wrapped up. But, yes, up, we're, we're going to get so. this wrapped up so that we can, you know, move on and have more. But this was just kind of our first test episode. You know, give us some feedback, see what you think. I know we're going to release this to a smaller audience to begin with. 
but it'll it'll give us you know give us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you want to hear. You know some of the subjects you wanted to talk about. We have our list already. But hey, you might come up with a great idea of hey, let's talk about that. That that guy's got a good idea. We can talk about that for a while. You know, and yeah, we want to promote. We want to discuss local events, local activities. We want to promote local businesses. We want to promote the industry, get people aware, get people out there, get people enjoying it. Uh, I, I do think it's funny that we're ending right after our board op got us in the tank. Yeah. Just finished getting us in the tank. It'll be better soon. Oh, I know it will. We'll get some better lighting and stuff our, like that. Our, our lighting has been messed with due to other events in the garage. Fair enough. So, but I do, I would, I do want to thank you for your time listening to us today. For anyone who does listen to this, Mike, it's been great. We looked forward to a bunch of more episodes with you. I am completely excited about this. I think we're going to be able to do some good things with it. Um, like I said, we'll we're going to try to release one a month right now as we get started. Uh, once it gets rolling, and you know, if we can pick up sponsors, if we can get people that are willing to come in, you know, we're going to look for some guest hosts, whether. You, gun shop owners, trainers, you know, even if we've got a politician that wants to come in and sit with us, discuss right. with us, you know, call I, in. I also think now is a good time with the um, the impending apocalypse that shall remain unmentioned that is coming in the next couple months. <coughs> you, you mean Yellowstone? People, people, people might want to, I don't know, they might need some entertainment while they have nothing to do because they can't go to their jobs. This is true. So my wife can use some entertainment from let's, the uh, let's let's just say that it happens, and somehow we can all swing it where we can be here. I'm game. If I got nowhere to be, perfect. We could bust out an episode a week, two episodes a week. What? Well, like a little extra if you ha- if you wanted to. Right. We can do because that. of. It's said, because of the unmentionable events. Well, the and, 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 and the other one I will say is Mike is new to this. Myself and the board yeah. op, Matt, have been doing this for about four years. We, we have been doing a regular podcast. What's this fuzzy ball in front of my face? <laughs> right, pretty much. <laughs> but it's one of those things of if we get into this and y'all enjoy it, we might be able to do some live events here and there because we do have that ability with us to go live. Well, and with my business right now, twice a year, I do host a range day. Uh, there is a shooting range up near my place, and we'll talk more about it later. I'm, right. I, I'm saying live here, though, if we, we where can, we can take Q&A sessions, we where can, we yes, can sit and read and comment. Or and, legitimately, if we had decent internet access somewhere at a range day. Yeah, we can set this I, all I could up. set this up off a laptop and my mixer and a couple of cameras. That would be awesome. And Yeah. But look forward to hearing from you. Look forward to... Thank you for uh, listening to us, if you are. If not, well, you're not going to hear this anyway. So You won't know what you missed out on today. <laughs> um, again, I'm Patrick. I am Mike. And uh, we are Ring and Steel Podcast. Have a great night. Thank you. <laughs>